Today's scripture reading comes from the Gospel according to John, chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. Some time after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. This is the word of the Lord. It is my pleasure to introduce the preacher today, uh, Joe Banks, if you don't mind. Well, Joe is an uh, ordained minister in the Canadian Baptist of Western Canada. We, um, uh, she's a dear friend to Susanna and I. I actually met Joy a long time ago, uh, back in 2001, I think. Uh, we were both very, very young. In, uh, <clears throat> uh, we, we share many, many stories. Uh, I'll tell you one. In 2005, very suddenly I felt compelled to start an Afro-Cuban jazz band. <laughs> I kid you not. And, uh, and this is a very strange compelling, right? And you need... Uh, strange people to, <laughs> to follow you on this. So some of the members of the band were accomplished musicians, and some of them were just learning to play their instruments. I won't tell you which group uh, Joy was part of, but she did great in the percussions. Uh, uh, Joy's missional uh, commitment to extend Jesus' welcoming in the city has been a source of inspiration in my own Christian life. She brings a significant depth of experience in community living, pastoral ministry, and reflection through art. <clears throat> Susanna and I have several of her pieces, uh, such as this one, 
uh, but um, we have several of her pieces of, uh, at home, and we have used them to teach and inspire our own kids. So, Joey, thank you very much for bringing a, a reflection on God's word today to First Baptist, and please let me pray for you. Father, we give you thanks for uh, the life and ministry of Joy. Please uh, make our hearts attentive to your word. Um, give her clarity and, uh, and peace as, as she ex exposes. Uh, please bless her life in all the areas uh, that you know. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thanks, David. As he says, David said we go way back. David's a bit like a, a brother to me. And in that band, I was one of the people that I didn't play any instruments, and I still got invited in. They're like, don't worry, we'll show you exactly what beat to, to make on the bongos. So we had a lot of fun. It also means I have a lot of good stories on David, so if, you, if you're interested afterwards, um, I will spare him from the pulpit up here. But no, David is, is very dear, and I think you're very fortunate to have both David and Susanna as part of your staff, even if he does show up late to prayer, praying at the same time. <laughs> and so First Baptist Church, good morning. Hi. It's a delight to be with you this morning. I was thinking about coming to speak today, and the very first time I came to First Baptist Church actually was 26 years ago. I had just come to Vancouver to go to Regent, and I was staying with a friend of mine. I grew up in Japan, and uh, one of my friends from Japan lived in the neighborhood here, and somehow I found myself at First Baptist Church on my very first Sunday. And so it feels a little bit of coming full circle, and this invitation was one that allowed me to just reflect on the goodness of being in Vancouver, and also think about the journey that you've been on as a community these past 26 years. And even though we're in a different space than I was then, to be here with you, this continuing community is a delight. In fact, I was, it made me a little bit curious. Is there anyone here that was part of the worshiping community about 25, 26 years ago? Raise your Wow, quite a bit. Okay. Um, well, I guess we worshiped together maybe 26 years ago. And to those of you that didn't raise your hand, it's, you're a testimony to the ongoing vitality of this community that draws um, folks in all these many years. So... Thank you for allowing me to be with you. I'm going to start the timer so I don't get too carried away here. So the invitation that was given to me was this from Justin. He emailed me. He said, I would love for our congregation to see how your lino cut illustrations and other mediums play a vital role in contributing to the flourishing of the city or the peace of the city. That's the theme you've been sitting with this summer. And here's the question he posed. What wakes you up each morning to respond to God's call to create art that invites others into deeper relationships with Jesus, belonging, and care for those who find themselves in the margins? So thank you for this invitation to reflect on this. As I thought about how I might respond to this, I thought I realized, okay, this isn't a question I'm going to just be able to dive into one scripture and unpack. Uh, it requires a little bit of a gallery tour, if you will. So, you know, often a sermon is one. You'll look at one passage of scripture and you'll notice all the details. But today I want to invite you on a, a gallery tour of sorts. Well, well, we'll touch in. I'm going to show you some of my art, but that's not what I mean by the gallery tour. I mean a tour of a few scriptures 
uh, that we'll notice some things in, and I hope we'll tie some of the themes together in terms of seeking the peace of the city and what does art have anything to do with, with that? So to begin with, um, I want to begin our tour and in the place where we had our scripture reading earlier, the feeding story of the feeding of the 5,000. And I'm going to ask Jillian to put up a piece of, um, this is a very simple piece. I make really simple art. <laughs> They're quite humble pieces, to be honest. Um, but this is one I come back to often, especially when I have to preach, because I often feel like I'm here um, in front of a crowd with very small, meager offering, loaves and fishes. And I feel like my art is also that way, very small offering, especially when I think of the needs in a city. So if you will, I wanna, uh, I also enjoy making art that I, that is an aid for me in prayer. So I wanna invite you to begin in prayer with me. Uh, and instead of closing your eyes, if you'd like to keep them open, um, we will use this image that comes from that story. And also I have one more invitation as we pray. I wonder today as you come, um, how you are longing to be met by the presence of God here. And in this prayer, I invite you to just take a moment to be open to how the Spirit might move and meet you this morning. So let's pray together. Gracious God, thank you that you are here, present, moving and working among this community. Thank you for your abundance of gifts and the many ways you nourish and feed us. And I pray today that you will use this small offering to bring nourishment to your people. Would you open our imaginations to what you are doing in this city and how we might participate. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This story gives me hope because it's not about me having something miraculous to offer, but it's offering it into the hands of the one that can make something miraculous. And in a sense, I think when we speak of this peace of the city, seeking the peace, this is what we're talking about. What happens when we have our offerings given to God and and, and in the hands of Christ, those can be broken and multiplied for the sake of the city. Just to give you a little bit of context before we go on, because um, Justin said, would you share about your lionel cut illustrations? For those, so just a little bit of context for those of you that don't know, the method that I use is called lionel cut printmaking. I, I love making of all sorts, but this is a method that I use a lot. So what I do is I make a design, I take a carving tool, and I carve it into some kind of material that's like linoleum, or this is a kind of a rubbery material. So I carve it out, and then what I do is I ink it up with a roller, put a piece of paper on it, and press it, and then an image comes, which is a print. And I'll make a certain number of those, I don't know, 20 to up to 100, and then I will number them, and then I'll tear up this, this piece here, because that's, that's a limited edition that I make. And um, that's the process. So uh, I, I just to give you a little bit of context, I'm curious, did any of you do lino cut printmaking as a kid in school? Does anybody have memory of doing that? A few of you. Basically, it's making a giant stamp. That's kind of what it is. I tried it as a kid. Um, in Japan, often they use this method for sending New Year's cards. So I have a memory of making that, and I hated it, I have to admit. <laughs> 
because everything is backwards. And I remember as a kid, it was really hard to carve, and I got the year wrong because it turned out backwards. Um, but somehow God has brought this medium back um, for me that I get to play with and explore themes in my life that are important to me and I hope to others. So that's a little bit of context. Maybe I'll show you a couple of pieces just to give you a sense of, um, can you show the next one? This is an image I made that I've been coming back to this couple of weeks in particular as so much of our province has been on fire. Um, and I've been coming back to this and holding this in prayer. This image I created a few years ago when a friend told me a story about a farmer whose barn burnt down, and he went out the next day to find a hen. One of his hens was charred and dead from the fire, but underneath the wings of the hen, the chicks, there were these chicks that were still alive. Isn't that a beautiful story? To me, that shed a whole new light on the passage when Jesus said to, the, to Jerusalem, I long to gather you as a mother hen, right? These, this protective wings that long to shelter and hold us. So I've been coming back to this this week in prayer as I've been thinking of those who are sheltering the ones they care for, those who are giving themselves to fight the fire, and also for the creatures um, and the lamb that's impacted by the fire. I'll show you just one more that's also been on my heart, um, which is a similar theme. This is one I made called Christ of the Dispossessed. It's a bit maybe hard to see, but it's these people that are carrying their possessions into a boat. Um, and here I was thinking of those dispossessed means those who have lost everything. And how the prayer for Christ to be the one that offers a sanctuary shelter. Uh, in this case, oh, it's a water image, but again, uh, an image I've been holding this week for those who have lost so much um, in the fires and other tragedies around the world. So that's just a little bit of context, but now I'd like to just dive into our theme of shalom, or the peace of the city, seeking the peace of the city. So we're going to continue on our gallery tour from the gospel passage and now we're going to head into the prophets in the Old Testament, the book of Jeremiah. So this phrase, seeking the peace of the city, um, I don't know if you're aware of this, it's, but it comes from the book of Jeremiah. The people of Israel were in exile, in Babylonian captivity, and they received this message from Jeremiah, from God through Jeremiah, which is basically, look, this isn't going to be forever but you're going to be here for a while. So I want you to make a home. I want you to plant a garden. I want your kids to get married. And here's the other thing. And I'm going to read this quote from Jeremiah 29.7, the NIV version. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Seek the peace, and in this case it says peace and prosperity of the city. So I have a question for you first. When you hear the word, first of all, peace, um, what, can, what are some words that come to mind? I like to do things interactively, so I'm going to invite you to just speak out. First word that comes to mind when you hear the word peace. Holy Spirit, it's you peace, fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit. What are some other things? Peace. Love, joy, there's no right answers here. It's just what comes pie. to mind. What's that? Pie. 
Okay. Thank you for being honest. Anything else? Turn to the person next to you and tell them the first thing that came to mind when you heard the word peace. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we could have a whole conversation about that, right? Okay, here's the second word. What comes to mind, this is just word association, when you hear the word prosperity. It says, seek the peace and prosperity of the city. What comes to mind, can you shout out some of the words? Wealth, security, abundance. Sharing, wealthy, share. thank you, all of those words. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a very specific connotation when I hear these two together. And when I think, what does it mean to seek the peace and prosperity of the city? Something may come to mind. But I want you to remember who this was spoken to. This was spoken to the people that were taken into captivity, into exile, and they're being invited to seek this for the city where they're in captivity. I don't know about you, but when I first read this, I'm like, wow, that almost sounds like a slap in the face. Is that, is that extreme? Here's, let me show you an image that maybe captures a little bit of what I was thinking. This is an image that I created that's got lots of structures that are all structures of empires of the past. You can see if you recognize any of them. And often empires are structured in a way that's built on the back of all these people at the bottom, holding up the empire, um, the oppressed. And then there's one little guy at the top that's enjoying the life. Now, in this context, if you said to these people at the bottom, seek the peace and prosperity of the city, how would that feel? Oppressive, right? And, and this is, I don't often do this, like you've got to go back to the Hebrew, but this is a case where I think it really helps to know the wording of Hebrew in this passage. In Hebrew, this passage is about, says is shalom. It actually is just one word. Seek the shalom of the city. Pray to the Lord for it, because if the city has shalom, you will have shalom. Now, shalom, you may know, um, has a fuller, much fuller meaning. Peace is part of it, but it's not just about, oh, no lack of conflict. Shalom is a picture of holistic well-being, well-being for everyone involved. This is not a picture of shalom. It's far, far from it. The guy at the top might feel peaceful, but it's not shalom. Shalom has to be well-being, holistic well-being of everyone. It's also about right relationships between people. And it also has to do with well-being of all of creation. Um, I have one more image that I'm going to, if you can turn. This is another image I've created called Mender. This isn't necessarily a picture of shalom, but for me, it's, it's one of maybe someone who is seeking to bring shalom. In the backdrop of this Mender character is um, war imagery. I don't know if you can see it. There's some war, there's destruction, there's exclusion. And in the midst of this, this person is stitching together a quilt that has elements of holistic well-being. You have all of creation, you have people coming together, there's music, um, relationship, there's places to dwell. This is a holist, more of a holistic picture of shalom. So this invitation to seek the shalom of the city is one to, in a sense, be like this mender who makes a place of well-being for all people. 
And over the summer series, you've invited those who have given their lives and, their, and the organizations they're part of to stitch some of the patches of this shalom blanket. And I have much respect for those who have who've come and shared. And I trust that you also have a little bit of stitching to contribute to this quilt. So um, you can go to the next one. This is the comparison of the, of the two, two different pictures. But I have to admit, in the face of this, this is something I'm passionate about. So um, when the question is asked, what gets you up in the morning to make art or to respond to the call, this vision of shalom is one that really gets me going. And also one that I feel challenged by when I recognize that I'm actually often in the part of this, the further image over there, that I'm often one that's benefiting from these structures. And so I have to ask myself, okay, what? What am I being invited into to change the picture, so to speak? But I'm also haunted a little bit, if I might be honest. When I think of this picture on the, the, the empire picture, and I think of the role of art, I often feel quite kind of sheepish, if I'm honest, in the face of great injustice or a lack of even those who are going hungry today um, those who have no place to live, their places, houses have burned down. What is it to make a picture, to do art? I'm haunted by that sometimes. How does art fit into this vision of shalom? Is it just a nice to have at the end? Once everybody's, you know, taken care of, then if we have some free time, we'll do some art on the side, or we'll put a little bit of money to it. Or is it part of God's um, vision of shalom? Is it integrated? Into that? That's a question I've been wrestling with for many, many years, and again, as I prepare today. So now I want to answer that. I won't fully answer it, but to explore that, I want to move along in our gallery tour to another scripture passage. So you can take that one down. Yeah. Oh, can you take that off just a minute? Sorry. <laughs> if you noticed, that gave away a question I'm going to ask you now. For this tour, you might have seen that it's an Exodus, but. Um, I have a question for you. Does anybody know when in the Old Testament is the first um, recording of someone being filled with the Holy Spirit? Anybody know? Yeah? Good guess. Possibly saw. Any other guesses? Yeah? David, possibly, and our minds go to those places, right? And there are many stories of people being filled with the Spirit in the Old Testament. But did you know that the first mention of it is in Exodus, and the first people who are mentioned being filled by the Spirit was an artist? Now you know why I had to mention that, right? Um, it was when God gave the instructions for the building of the tabernacle, and let's read, in fact, let's read it together. First, the instructions of the tabernacle were given in great detail, and then we have this passage. But can we read it out loud together for those of you who can see it, so that those over here that might not be able to apologize. By the way, if you, any of you wanted to come where you could see, feel free to move over. Um, let's read this together, shall we? Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom and understanding, with knowledge and all kinds of skills to do 
to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Isn't that interesting? I find it interesting. We often think of the leaders, you know, being filled with the Spirit. But actually, you can keep this one up a little bit. Sorry, Jillian, <laughs> you're being very patient in working with me. Um, but here, God, I think of it as one of the first art commissions. God commissions this amazing work of art, this traveling um, tabernacle that's full of intricate detail and design, so much symbolism that's carefully crafted, and he fills the artisans to do this work. And you can see the variety of the artistic design that's gonna go into that. Um, these laborers who have been laboring for Pharaoh are now given this art commission um, and being empowered by the Spirit of God to make this this tabernacle work. Now, if you had not noticed that before, I don't blame you. You know, if you've ever tried to read through the Old Testament, there's so much great narrative that happens. And in Exodus, you've got the liberation of the slaves from, the, from Pharaoh in Egypt, and they get into the wilderness, and then they're hungry, and so God brings them manna, and then they need something to drink, so they're given water. It's, it's quite an exciting narrative, isn't it? And then all of a sudden, this is right before this is when it starts Kind of, it suddenly switches. It gets into all this great detail of, and description. And so it's easy to kind of skip over and miss this. But it's an important piece. In fact, it's so important it comes again later. Um, almost exact wording. But in between these two word, um, exact description is a story you probably are familiar with. And that's the story of the golden calf. Remember that story in the wilderness? So in the wilderness, um, Moses is up. Um, having a time with God, receiving the law on a mountain, and the people start saying, oh, God has abandoned us. Uh, we don't know where God is. Will you, will you make us a God to go with us? And so they combine their jewelry, and they make this golden calf, right? Um, and they start bowing down and worshiping it, which causes you know, all kinds of consternation to Moses. So that happens, and it's quite, and I know it seems like a small detail, but it's important that then you realize this very description comes again after that story. In fact, can you switch to the next slide? I'm, we're not going to read all of this, but almost exact wording of the past passage before that is, comes right before this. And then I just highlighted a few more things to, to um, show the detail. He's filled them with skills to do all kinds of work, engravers, designers, embroiderers of all these different colors, um, weavers, skilled workers and designers. Now, in the history of the church sometime, our fear of these idols, like the golden calf, has sometimes caused us to throw out the art, the baby with the bathwater, so to speak. Um, but in Exodus, the fact that this is mentioned again, even after the golden calf scenario, to me it says something. It says that this work is really important to God. And so I want us to come... Um, as we look at this picture, this story, um, I have about four points really quickly that I want to make, that I, things that I notice in terms of the significance of art for God's vision of shalom. So the first one is this. Let's remember again the context. The people are in the wilderness. They're just a ragtag group of folks that have just come out of slavery. They have very little. They're just eking it out, barely having enough you know, they have dependent on God for food and drink. 
And in the middle of that, God makes this beautiful tabernacle, this art commission. So the first thing I notice here is maybe the meeting of basic needs, of food, and bread, and water, aren't necessarily mutually exclusive to the need for beauty and symbolism in our lives. I sometimes think, oh, how can I offer art to someone in the midst of crisis, right? But here, that's exactly what God does. In the midst of the wilderness, God gives them this and commissions them to make this tabernacle, which will be a symbol of God's presence, which gives them hope, and which challenges some of their mentality from um, Egypt. So first, manna and making of art, or beauty and bread in God's vision are not mutually exclusive. In fact, they can come together and must be important. So if you will, um, I'm going to invite you to hold out both of your hands just for a moment. And I'd like you to imagine in one hand something that's about basic needs. Maybe it's a, a loaf of bread, a cup of water, something that you need, your basic needs. And then your other hand, I want you to imagine something that speaks to you um, of beauty or something that's important for symbolism creativity, maybe it's a musical instrument, or maybe it's a beautiful flower, or a paintbrush. It doesn't have to be something you use, but something you can appreciate. So just hold both of those for a moment. God values both, and both are important in the wilderness. Thank you for that imaginative exercise with me. As an example of this, you as a community um, have your community meal that um, David is Part of his role is holding that community meal. Now, often, some, we have a phrase in English that beggars can't be choosers, right? And so when we think of, of hunger in our city and poverty, sometimes we can get in the mentality of, well, it's free, and so we lower the standard of what's offered. But I, one of the things I appreciate, I asked David specifically this, because I knew this was on his heart, so I asked him this morning, like, how do you bring um, dignity and beauty, is that something you value in the middle of this meal that's offered for free? And he's like, absolutely. And this is one of the reasons why we offer high-quality meal. It's good, it's tasty, it's nutritious, and it's also pleasurable to eat. This is a combination of the beauty and the bread, God's vision, that offers dignity and hope. So this is one thing I wanted to note um, from this passage. Let me just do a little chime check. Okay. Another piece I wanted to highlight here from this story is the importance of symbolism. God seems to understand that as human beings, we need symbols that help keep us focused and keep, invite us to hold what matters, to remember what matters. And so God commissions this tabernacle, which is a symbol of God's presence in the midst of the people. And this is something that's been really important to me. I don't know about you, but I quickly become a wandering person. I lo easily lose um, track of the way that I feel called to live and the way of Jesus in this world. I often can get caught up in so many things that are kind of in, insignificant or contrary to the way of shalom. But symbols are something that we can have before us that keep 
we can, can be reminders for us of what God is doing in the world. And so often when I'm making art, that's what I'm doing. I'm like, I need a reminder for something that I've been taught. And so I, I create something like the image of the hands and the fish. Um, and this is one of the important things that I think artists can bring in our midst is they can give us symbols like this beautiful cross here. It's a symbol of the reminder of Jesus's gifts, the colors that he brings. And we see this in our scripture today as well. Many years ago, I went on a, a walk in Scotland, right on the border of Scotland and the UK. There's a path called St. Cuthbert's Way, and it leads to this island called Lindisfarne, where St. Cuthbert um, established a Celtic Christian monastery. So many people have walked this path over the centuries to go there and to as a place of remembrance and prayer. So I was walking this, and before you get to the island, there's this, you in the mainland, or the main, yeah, the, where you've been walking, and you come to the body of water that's about four or five kilometers long, and to get to the island, you have to wait for the tide to go out. And when the tide goes out, between you and the island, it actually, all the water disappears, and it's mud flats that goes all the way to the island. And... You can get there two ways. There's also a road that appears that you can only take when the tide is out. Or if you're one of the walkers or the pilgrims, you walk across the mud flats, as many have done before you. But there's one problem. In some of these mud flats, there's quicksand. quicksand. And in fact, people have died in the quicksand. So it's really important that you keep you, you keep track of the way that you're going. And for these people, they've set up these long poles that mark the path all the way to the island where it's safe to walk. And so as I walked, I was really excited, a little scared of this quicksand, but I knew if I kept my eyes on these poles all along, it would lead me to this island where I wanted to go to. Art can be symbols, I believe, are some of the things, these markers along the way. They're not our destination. They're not what we're there to worship like the golden calf, but they can help guide us, point us in the direction that we're going. And so this is, these are some of, there's many values and purposes for art, but one that I see in this scripture. So I have another question for you and a gesture, if you will indulge me. Um, first is just, I want you to think of your home, in your home. Is there something, a symbol in your home that reminds you of the presence of God? The tabernacle was a reminder of the people's presence of God. It might, it doesn't have to be particularly Christian like a cross. It might be something else that's part of your story. Or it may be something, a, a tree that reminds you of God's constant presence or something. Just think for a moment. Is there something? Your Bible is one? Okay, yeah. Uh, and others may have other symbols. Now, if you, you might think, I'm not someone that's really into symbols, and I would like to challenge that. Your house is full of symbols. And marketers today know that. <laughs> they sneakily get you to have all kinds of symbols that speak to you of your identity, of your values, of your story, and they want you to put them in your house or wear them. <laughs> So what, is there a symbol in your home that reminds you of God's presence? And the, there you go, you've got one. Yeah, praying hands in all of it. So you might consider that on your way home today. And I'm going to invite you also to think of a symbol, one more symbol. 
Is there a symbol that speaks to you of God's shalom vision? Like that uh, mender that I spoke of earlier. I need those symbols. I can get so caught up in my own, I don't know, narcissism or something, um, my own comfort, that I forget God's shalom vision. Is there a symbol that you can put have in your home that reminds you of that? And now I'm going to invite us to one more gesture. This is a simple gesture, but I'm going to invite you to think of these poles that were on my pilgrimage and think of your symbols. If you can just go like this. I know I'm an artist. I make you do weird things. <laughs> You're more likely to remember it. Remember the symbols. Thank you. Moving on to one more point. I want to make clear that this, even this vision of this tabernacle, um, and when we speak of peace and art, it, we can all, we can, our minds can easily go to something really comfortable like decorative art that doesn't challenge. But I really want to highlight here that even this tabernacle is important in the role that art plays often in the role of disruption, of challenge, and vision casting. This story of the tabernacle building, it sounds really nice, but there's a lot going on here. First of all, God names the makers, the names of the people that are placed here. This is really important. Think, think about how they've just been slaves. They've been building for Pharaoh. And now he names the artisan. These laborers are given a name. So already the process of the making is challenging Pharaoh's system. As well, the materials that are making the tabernacle are invited as gifts. Contrast that to Pharaoh who demanded bricks being made out of straw that the people don't even have, demanding more and more labor. The process of making this tabernacle was one where God said, bring, what would you like to contribute to this art commission? What skills would you like to con contribute? And this is also a tent. It wasn't a pyramid. <laughs> it showed how God could move with them, uh, unlike the gods of, of Egypt. It also was not something they could control, like this uh, golden calf. That was something that they made. Instead, the tabernacle had a bit of terrifying element to it. The holiness of God was expressed in this tabernacle, and it was a sign of that. It was not meant to just make them feel comfortable, also to challenge them. Art has that role, and I just wanted to name that because sometimes um, we can be, I hear people say, um, the imagination is dangerous, and it is. And that's the role. And if art sometimes makes you feel uncomfortable, that's okay. That's the role of artists often is to challenge what is. We need some of those that, the structure of the empire, we need that challenged. And we also need to be given for what else is possible. Images, what else is possible. The tabernacle is a little picture of that for, for the people of um, Hebrew people in the wilderness. They were given possibilities. Something is different here. This is different from where we came. God is making us into a different kind of a people. And it's dis it disrupts, it challenges, but it also gives hope. This is one of the reasons why we need artists in our midst, even when they make us feel uncomfortable. Um, so this is my one other thing. So I also have a gesture of this for you. Um, 
one of my favorite um, theologians is a, a man named Walter Brueggemann, um, and he speaks often of the prophetic imagination. And, and, and you see this, so much of the prophets are written in poetry using the imagination, and they have these same two roles. One of them is to challenge, critique, but the other is to give vision for what else is possible, to open the imagination. So here's the two gestures. One is a challenge. So if you could make this kind of a challenging, this is like a resistance. And the other is just like looking far away. So art, in the context of shalom, has these two roles as well. One is to challenge, and the other is to open our imagination to what is possible. The last one, this is short. The last observation from this passage, and that is that this art creation of this tabernacle that was commissioned by God was a communal effort. It was a, it was a creation of the community. It wasn't one individual. They needed weavers and carpenters. They needed people to go out and pick the plants that are gonna dye the wool that somebody else sheared from the lamb and turned into yarn. This is a, a beautiful communal effort. And again, this is where I think the potential of creating together as a community can bring people together and requires everyone's gifts. And so for you First Baptist, one of my questions is, what is it that you all bring together to create this symbol in a city and a sense of a tabernacle? You are traveling tabernacle. <laughs> that is a sign of the presence of God. And all of the gifts that you each have are part of that creation, an important part of that story. So my last gesture for you from this today is to take your two finger hands as if they were people and put them together. In God's context of art, uh, of shalom, all of the gifts of the people come together to create the beauty and the symbols of God's presence in the city. Thank you. Thanks for humoring me with the gestures. <laughs> I hope that helps some of it stick. So we have manna and making, or bread and beauty. We have the symbols that we need to keep us on our journey, focused on what we value, our story, God's presence. We have the role of art, that art plays in both helping us in critique and resist, and also gives us vision for what is possible. And then we have art that is a, um, a community effort, the beauty of what it can be created in community. Thank you for going on this gallery tour. I want us to come full circle now, back to the beginning of our gallery tour where we began in John and the feeding of the 5,000. And I'm gonna invite, can you put the very final image up there? Oh no, sorry, the one before that. So this other our art piece is a similar theme. It's um, in the context of the city. This is a farmer who has a little seed that he's blessing. This is a blessing of Christ. I, I heard um, that this gesture comes from three of the Greek letters that often are used in, in the name of Christ. So when you see someone making this gesture in Christian art, it's meant to be a blessing of Christ. 
So Christ himself in all, oh, I'm getting off on a tangent. I won't tell you that. If you're interested in this, where this fits in Christian art, come to me later. But this farmer um, is making a gesture of blessing this tiny seedling with the gift, uh, the blessing of Christ, which is similar to this offering your little fish for Christ to bless and multiply. So before we come to the table today, I want to invite you into this as well and to ask, what is it, what is your small offering that you may be invited to offer for the shalom of the city? Uh, if you are artists, musicians, makers of any sort, I hope today that you feel a little more empowered and recognize that you have an important role in the vision of shalom. As a community, First Baptist, I hope that this will continue to weave its way into your um, work as a people, that you will support and value and see the importance of the arts in the midst of the vision of, of seeking the peace and the shalom of the city. And for all of us here, even those of you who are like, I am not an artist, <laughs> or I am not a musician, I know that God has given you something that is part of this shalom-seeking in the city. So in preparation for coming to the table, I want to invite you to take out your little sheets here. This time I've left, instead of putting fish there, I've left that blank. And I hope that you've received a pencil. If you didn't, you can raise your hand and they'll bring you a pencil. And I wanted you to take, you know, two to three minutes. You might want to draw a symbol. It can even be stick figure, kind of symbol. Or it might be words that you want to put in there. What is something that you feel maybe God is stirring and you would like to offer for the, for the shalom of the city? And I would encourage you to put things in there that you're like, I have no idea how you can use this. This seems so insignificant. Those are the very things to put in there because it's the hands underneath it that's going to make it into something that can be a gift to others. So we're going to have some music played, and over the next three minutes, invite you to just take some time. If you don't know what to do, I would invite you just to doodle, scribble. In that process, something may come to you.
unto the table of our Lord Jesus Christ, where once again, Jesus gave us the gift of these symbols to remember his presence among us. So that every time, each month, when you gather around this table, we're reminded through the symbol of the bread and the cup of Christ's presence, of Christ's gift, and of the many times that Christ broke bread and fed the people, even as Christ is doing today here in our midst. So first I'm going to pray for us for what you have just pondered, and I'm going to pray a blessing over this table as we prepare to come. So gracious God, thank you for the ways that you meet us. Thank you for meeting us here today, and thank you for all that each person has, has named. They are offering to you a meager offering. Thank you that in your economy, in the vision of shalom, you are able to take all of this and distribute it for your purposes. So we offer those to you. And we also come, also come now to this table where we remember that you gave your whole entire self to us to nourish us, to give us hope, to hold us, and to create the shalom in this world that we long for. So we invite you once again to meet us at this table and transform us into a people that embody your shalom. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. For more sermons and information about our church's services and programs, please visit firstbc.org.